Welcome to another message from Graceway Baptist Church on Capitol Hill. You can find more about us by visiting gracewaydc.com or find Graceway DC on social media. This week, our Walk This Way series takes us to Isaiah chapter 62, where Israel felt forsaken, but God's promises and plans had not expired. And the same is true of the Christian today. God is seeking someone to use. Our part is summed up in three words, identify, intercede, and inspire. Pastor Brad Wells explains all three in this message entitled, A New Name. Take your Bibles, if you would, go to Isaiah 62. Two weeks ago, we looked at Isaiah 60, and these last uh, six or seven chapters of Isaiah really focuses on new things. It's, it's very Jewish, it's very Israel-focused, and that is the focus of God. Uh, chapter 60 was titled, Arise, Shine, and the reason is because it's a new day uh, for God's people. Uh, last week, we looked at when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and that is the new life that God promised, uh, specifically Israel. Now, we can apply all of this to the church. Uh, it is a mistake to, to steal the promises of Israel and apply them directly uh, and primarily to the church. That's a mistake. Uh, there's three groups of people in the Bible. As you read the Bible, you need to see those three groups. It's the Jew, the Gentile, and the church of God. And Israel is the primary focus and subject, and the culmination of all society is when the king reigns in Jerusalem. And right now, of course, the powerhouse of the world is, is the United States, and here in D.C., uh, there's the rule and reign comes out from the swamp. <laughs> and we're all trying to keep from being uh, swamp creatures. And, um, and we want to influence for righteousness and for good and justice and equality and all these wonderful things. And, and there's other forces uh, at work that are uh, in opposition to truth and right. But chapter 62 is all about, that's our subject today, is all about a new name. Next week, we're going to be looking at 63 and 64 combined, and it will be a new victory, a victory for Israel specifically, and for you and me secondarily. Now, if you have your Bible before you, you see Isaiah uh, 62. It's a short passage. It's 12 verses long. I want you to notice in verse number one, it says, for Zion's sake, and I want you to notice for Jerusalem's Sake. So it is, it is very specific about uh, Israel, and Zion is another name uh, for Israel. And of course, Jerusalem, the main city there uh, in Israel. But I want to ask you this question. How do you identify? <laughs> now, I'm not talking about some sort of sexual thing or some sort of gender confusion or anything like that. But identity is a main focus in the world. Identity is, is what God uses to hold people together. I believe the glue that holds families and communities and nations together is identity. And so naturally, when that glue is to be dissolved, there will be a direct and purposeful assault attack on identity. I believe there is an identity crisis in the world. I believe that most everybody struggles to some degree with identity. And God's concerned about this. And God's concerned about you and me and how we identify. And we need to identify with God. So this new name that is, that is spoken of brings us to the place of proper identities. Now, let me read this to you. Isaiah 62 and verse number 2 brings out this, this text. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. Now, right away, we see the two groups of people. Uh, the Gentiles, that is the nations outside of Israel, and thy or your righteousness. And um, 
that is speaking of Israel. And the Gentiles, that's the other nations outside of Israel, shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. That is, Israel will be promoted and raised to a place of prominence. And thou shalt be called by, and let's say it together, a new name. That's what God wants. God wants uh, to give this new name to his people, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Father, as we come before you, we ask that you would, you would reveal to us your word. Uh, we're not here to be entertained. We're not here to uh, just drink coffee and eat pastries and, and hang out. We are here because we desperately long for the truth. We want to identify with you. We want you to direct our ways. So, Father, we ask as a group, oh, Lord, uh, speak through your word. And Lord, stop any false information from coming out of my mouth. And, and Lord, I pray that your word would be exalted, lifted up, and your people would be edified. I pray and ask that people would be drawn to you for salvation, for personal and spiritual growth. And Lord, we could get over some of our wrong identifying factors and, and get that new name that you want to give us through the new birth in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask this together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You will never, you will never get better. You will never get better until you admit that something's wrong. As long as you are sweeping things under the rug or hiding the fact that something's wrong, you'll never get better. There's three stages to a better life. The first is see things as they are. See it as it is. And that is to identify the problem. There's a problem in your life that's stopping you from the progress that God wants to see. That's keeping you from becoming the person that God created you to be. There's a problem. Until you identify that problem, not identify with the problem, that, don't do that. You are not your problem. The problem, your problem doesn't define you, but you must identify the problem. Okay, here's the problem. See it as it is. And then step two is this. See it as it should be. And that's where we get the Bible. And we recalibrate our goals and we recalibrate our conscience with the Word of God. See things as it should be. That's the element of perfection. And you're like, that's where I'm supposed to be. This is the goal. And you see it as it, as it should be. And the third step is see things through progress. No matter who you are and what you've learned, no matter what you have, you will never be happy. You will never feel fulfilled in this world unless you're growing. Now, Thursday night, we talked about growth and how to be a growing Christian. And that is where you feel satisfied. Nobody feels satisfied in a big home or with a big education or with a big bank account or because that's where I am and our eyes face out and, and we want more. And, the, and the, the trick is, is to get your eyes on the right goal. That's why the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. The whole world is trying to catch your eye that is trying to catch your goal. The eye is the window to the soul. That's you are, the real you is inside there. What you see is not the real me. Definitely not November. This is not the real me, okay? I thought I was doing pretty good until I saw some other guys around here. Oh, God, I'm not doing so good with the no shave November, but Luke and I are doing pretty good. All right. <laughs> Luke, Luke didn't try it all. But it's problem. You start with the problem. And then you identify perfection, and then you make progress, daily progress. It's every day taking a step that makes you get home at night and go, okay, this was a good day. Okay, this is good. It's not getting to this place where I'm done. It's I did. God wants and designs and creates us to be doers doers of the word, not hearers only. Now, there are eight disciples. Uh, <laughs> there's 12 disciples, but there are eight uh, main 
elements of discipleship that we must learn, main disciplines that every Christian must learn. Now, Thursday, I fumbled the ball there, and uh, I want to try to recover that just a little bit. The first one is Bible reading or continuing in the Word. The second one is daily prayer. Oh, you need to be world-class in your prayer life. I would encourage you, get a list, get a time, and get a place and pray. Nothing gets done until it gets scheduled and until you have a place that it's supposed to be done. The third element is fellowship with other Christians or church attendance. You need to make it a a commitment to be in church every time you are able. Commitment. Uh, My my parents taught me um, that that you you go to church all the time. If, uh, If you're not in school, my mom would tell me, you're going to be in bed. And then dad would say, and if you're not in church, you should be in the hospital. <laughs> he, want, he wanted to make sure we're going to be in church. And on vacation, I would encourage you this way. Look up the place and find the best church you can. And if you can't find a good church, go to a bad one. And go in there and be like, wow, okay. <laughs> and you'll be thankful for the church you have. Or maybe you can brighten the corner where you are, make a little bit of a difference. The fourth element is that of sacrificial giving. We as Christians are givers. We practice tithing and and sacrificial giving, and we're coming up with our Christmas offering, and we're going to try to make a difference uh, in some needful community uh, this year. And then uh, the fifth element is that of sharing your faith or being a witness. It should be a daily habit that you proclaim the gospel. Tom, you gave a great uh, testimony in the men's Sunday school class about just passing out tracts on the National Mall. We need to be sharing our faith. The sixth element of discipleship is that of overcoming. You have an obstacle in your life. You must overcome that. You must go forward. Don't settle. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't be satisfied with this problem. Don't don't just agree with it. This is the way it's been. This is the way it's always going to be. Don't settle. Get aggressive and push through and be an overcomer. The seventh element is that of forgiving. You need to be a forgiver, a great forgiver. Christians forgive. Don't hold on to grudges. Don't list out these seven reasons or ten reasons that I should not forgive. Uh, don't journal all the pain in your hearts. Uh, don't verbalize it at, uh, you know, the warm and fuzzy kumbaya share time. Don't hang on to hurts. Let them go and forgive. Be a forgiver. When you let that person that has wronged you out of that prison, you will see two people go free, them and you. Them and you. Don't stand there and guard that prison. Guards are in the jail too. Uh, Number eight, spiritual living, living in the spirit. We We are to be led by the spirit of God. And that is a discipline and a habit that each one of us must develop. So how good are you at those eight elements? And the truth is this, that God never lets any of us um, come to perfection at, in any one of those because all of life is about progress and satisfaction and joy and happiness comes in daily progress moving forward, especially in those eight things. Now, in Isaiah 62, I'm going to give you three points. And the first uh, four points are going to be identify. The, the next few points up to uh, verse 10 is going to be the, the word intercede. And then from verses 10 down through 12, 10, 11, and 12 is going to be the word inspire. So three words, identify, intercede, and inspire, is going to kind of be the packaging system that I want to deliver this truth to you with. Now, it's a lot like the Amazon boxes that come to your house every single day. How many of you have Amazon trucks come to your house too many, too often in a week, too often? There's only three or four of us. Oh, okay, there we go. All right. You're not after the package. You're after the contents. And so this little outline is just a way for me to 
uh, help march through the truth and keep moving and maybe help you to receive this package. One of the strongest needs that you have, that I have, that we have, is human identity. As a pastor and, and trying to uh, start this church and see what God um, will do, I know this, that when anybody walks in the room, people see if they can identify where is somebody that I want to identify with. It's strong. It's consuming. And Isaiah brings out the problem of, of Israel, and that is they have been, they have been um, destroyed, decimated by several nations, and we've already studied those, and they are about ready to be annihilated and, and drugged into slavery by the nation of Babylon. But God's man Isaiah stands up, and he's on the streets of Jerusalem, which is why we have these little pop-up banners here of, of a real street in Jerusalem, um, where Isaiah very much could have been standing on this pavement and proclaiming this truth. And so verse number one starts off like this. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And that subject of brightness and light came about in chapter 60, where it's arise and shine. And then 61, we saw those seven or eight elements where the Messiah, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, you will do this. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. So this is a bright public image. It's tied with righteousness and salvation, and it's for all the people. And God says, I'm interested in this. I'm, I'm not going to hold my peace. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to be quiet. And I'm not going to rest. This is something on the forefront of God's heart. Verse number two, we already read it, but let's read it again. And the Gentiles, so this is not just national, it's global. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name. That's our subject right there. Which the mouth of the Lord shall name. When my wife and I were having kids, we only had seven kids. But while we were having these kids, she would not name these children. That was my job. And I tried to defer. Deborah, you know, what do you think? And she'd like, oh, no, I want your mouth to name these kids. And so it was my privilege to, to name our kids, and we named our kids after spiritual influencers of their day, those that were preachers or missionaries and, and uh, spokesmen for truth and righteousness. And, and the reason is, is because we wanted our kids to identify as spiritual influencers. And that's what I believe the world needs today. Jesus said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Money has never been the problem, never been the problem. The problem has always been laborers in the harvest. And the question is, are you a laborer in the harvest? Are you a missionary or a mission field? Are you influencing for truth and righteousness or for some other element. Look at verse number three here. Everybody following along? Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Have you ever had somebody that you really respect? I mean, you really look up to. That they were proud of you. That they were just like, really impressed. And God is saying, you are going to be, Israel, you are going to be a crown of glory in God's hand and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. We followed that word, the hand and the shepherd, a few weeks back about we are to be the sheep of his pasture and the sheep of his hand 
getting in close to God. This week, I encourage you, get in close to God. Don't let things turn your head. Get in close to God. See him as your shepherd, and you are the sheep of his pasture. Now, look at this identity comes out a little bit more in verse number four. Actually, Israel is in a problem, in a problem state. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Now, they were identifying as forsaken. You could say they had a a forsaken spirit or an attitude. They just felt all alone, abandoned, forsaken. Neither shall thy land anymore be termed desolate. This is how they were identifying. Forsaken, desolate, not good enough, abandoned. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah, and that's a Hebrew word, and thy land Beulah, both Hebrew words, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. Now, if you're wondering what those Hebrew words mean, the Bible always interprets itself. And here's the interpretation. Hephzibah means the Lord delights in you. And Beulah means married. And married here is is that commitment, that lifetime commitment. I am dedicated. So this identity is more of a national identity. It's identifying with God and his people and his ways, and I'm married, and I am delighted in before I was forsaken, before I was desolate. But now I'm Hephzibah, I'm Beulah. God delights in me. So let's bring that into our life. Do you identify with the, with the delight and commitment of God? If you have repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior, that's how you should identify yourself as. Somebody that God delights in and somebody that God's married to, that is committed to. God loves me. God cares about me. God's willing to sacrifice for me. Now, he's going to go back in the next verse, back to this national identity in verse number 5. Isaiah 62, 5. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. So this is, as a nation, the sons are going to be committed. They're going to marry into the nation. You know, that is what needs to happen for any society to continue. There has to be an honor system. There has to be a point of stepping in with commitment and engagement. And I am concerned about my nation. And here's this prophecy given by the mouth of Isaiah, God's man. Thy sons are going to marry thee. And as a bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. And here we have the next generation marrying into the nation. Of course, it's not talking about physical marriage. It's talking about patriotism. It's talking about identifying as the nation of Israel. Now, here was the problem. The nation of Israel at this current time of Isaiah, they were being oppressed. They were being smashed and squashed. People that could were leaving and fleeing. There was no way to fight. The, the, the enemies were too great. That's why they were forsaken. Probably the young men that could get out were gone. That's why they were identifying as forsaken. And so the hope of a nation, that's the, the young people that have strength and abilities and, and courage and um, creativity and other talents, and they lean in and they commit and And all those people were gone. And now Israel was feeling forsaken, abandoned. A lot like we feel sometimes when our opportunities seem to pass us by, when we thought something was going to happen and it didn't happen. God is saying, I want to commit to you. Now, there's many different names for Israel, Zion, Israel, the place of the Lord, the mountain of God. One of them is in Ezekiel 48, 35. Let me bring that up here on the board for you. 
It was round about 18,000 measures. This is speaking of New Jerusalem. This is speaking of in the millennial reign of Christ, the 1,000 years that's next up on God's calendar for Israel. And the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. So the name Jerusalem is going to be the Lord is there. That is Jehovah Shammah. That's the Hebrew word for God's present. He's not on his way. He's not coming. He's here. You remember in school when they would call your name and you wouldn't say, I'm coming, I'm on my way. You'd say present or you'd say here. And here in Jerusalem, God's there. The Lord is there. And that's New Jerusalem. Jehovah Shammah. There's another passage, Jeremiah 33 and verse number 16. Jeremiah comes right after Isaiah in the timeline. And he mentions another uh, name of this great city, and that's Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidkenu. And that, that simply means this. Verse number 16, In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name, and that's what we're chasing here, name, wherewith she shall be called. This she is speaking, of course, of the new Jerusalem. This is perfection, the Lord, our righteousness. So God is there, and God is our righteousness. You know how God wants us to identify? With him as being present, and with him as being perfect and righteous. Christians, you should be identifying the problems in your life, identifying the perfection that is in God, and daily pursuing and taking steps and measures forward. The way people feel satisfaction, they, they feel life is worth living, is not the house that they're in. It's not the job they have. It's not the money that they make. It's daily progress, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, incremental growth. Now, this is in the New Testament as well. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 17 speaks of this. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto who? The churches. So we've talked about the Gentiles. We've talked about Israel and Zion. Now it's the church. This is the prophecy that was given by John to the seven churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone. And in the stone, a what? A new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. This new name is a beautiful thing. It has to do with identity. And God wants us to identify with him. Listen, God wants you to be an overcomer. God wants you to be a spiritual influence for his righteousness and for his holiness, living in the power of his presence. But so often we live as almost practical atheists. We identify with Christ and I go over to such and such church and I go, but I have no power. Are you an over? I'm not really an overcomer. Are you happy? I'm actually really struggling with this and with that. The secret is an identity. It's moving ahead and moving forward. So this identity, we see the, the patriotism here in verse number five. I want you to see a little bit more in verse number six. Not only is it patriotism, but it goes into the proclamation or uh, speaking out. And each of us should be spokesmen for the Lord. I have set who? That's a little bit weak. I have set? Oh, yeah. Watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. I was talking Thursday night after the service and somebody asked me something and I said, I never do that. And they went, you, you never do that? I went, yeah. You mean like never? Like never is an absolute word. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'm talking to an attorney here. And um, <clears throat> I was just speaking generally. I was just speaking. It wasn't you, Bobby. It wasn't you. It was somebody else. 
But here, this is, this is a specific word. This is, never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. And this is spoken to Israel, but I think this is something that God wants. God's revealing his heart. Those that identify with him should be proclaiming the name of God. If you're going to do something, you should advertise about it. Are you advertising for the Lord? Are you proclaiming his name? Are you identifying with him? God wants you to identify with him, and God wants us to be proclaimers of God's way and God's will and identify with God's name. Now, I'll tell you this. Um, I do have the privilege to, to work a little bit with Congress, and I try to walk around and, and talk to different uh, members of the staff and occasionally members of Congress and, and uh, present a Bible verse or a thought or uh, encourage them with this little situation or whatever. Honestly, I'm not that aware of political things that go on because all it does is just sour everything in my life. I don't know. But, uh, but the Word of God, uh, that, that can help me. So, so I go in, and you know one thing I need? I mean, I need it. I don't think they, they need it, but I need it. I need to carry a Bible around. Now, a lot of times I'll put my Bible in my briefcase, but then I'm like everybody else. But when I have my Bible out, I feel like I stick out. And everybody's like, they don't look at my tie. They don't look at, nobody even notices my beard. They don't see anything, but their eye goes right to my Bible. And I like that because now I'm doing this. I'm identifying with God. And I'm a pastor and I've been preaching for, I've been preaching for 30 years. And it's still a struggle. When I get out of my car and I hold on to my Bible and all of a sudden I feel like I'm sticking out and I want to blend in and I don't want other people to identify me as somebody. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? And I'm like, well, I don't know. And you know what? I hold my Bible and I, and I say, God, I, I don't want to be proud and I don't want to be a weirdo and I want to, don't want to be that I don't want to be that guy. I want to be that guy, but I don't want to be that guy. But I just need it, and it helps me. Because now I've, right from the beginning, I'm identifying with the Lord. I was visiting one of our staff members here, uh, one of the congressional staff members here at our church, and right on their desk, I mean front and center, was a big old Bible. And I was like, that is awesome. And, and they tried to give some different excuses. Well, you know, but I want to tell you, there are some people in this church that are living for God. And they're doing this word. They're making mention. They're not keeping silence. And by the way, that is the difference that needs to be made in the United States of America. I don't think the hope is in the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or in some other party or maybe the new one that's going to be formed, whatever that is. The hope is in the church of God. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's where the hope of God is. Elbow your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. <laughs> now, we've talked about identify, and God wants us to identify. Now, number two, not only do we need to identify, we must intercede. What verse are we in? Isaiah 62 and verse 6. Let's go on to verse number 7 and give our second point, intercede. And give him no rest till he establish, and till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now, who is this? This is God saying, don't let me just watch. Invite me in. God is not going to bully and push his way in. God is just waiting to do something. And the question is, who's going to invite him in? And you invite him in with your prayer. And I think you invite him in with verse number six. 
your proclamation, your identity. You identify with God. You identified problems in your life and perfection, and you are persistent in taking steps every day toward getting right with God, and you're praying. And God says, don't let me rest till, till he established, until he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. God is saying, keep on knocking. Keep on calling. Keep on asking. And, and church of the living God, I want to say, believe in him and don't be weak in your prayers. I want to challenge you this week. I want you to pray. I want you, if you, if you were taught to pray, maybe kneeling down beside your bed, man, do that. That is a great thing. If you were taught to, to pray, maybe walking around, do that. Uh, wherever you pray, however you pray, do it with fervency, realizing the state of the nation is dependent on some Christian proclaiming, identifying, proclaiming, and praying, interceding for your family, for you, and for the nation. Let's pray. Let's proclaim. Intercede. Intercede. Now look at verse number 8, and we're just walking through the Scripture here. In verse number 8, it says, The Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength. You see God identifying here and giving a... God's, God is spirit, and, and God doesn't necessarily have an arm and a hand, but he's identifying and showing us this element in a way we can understand. The Lord has sworn by his right hand, by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for the enemies, that is, they were getting uh, stolen from, and the sons of the stranger which shall not drink thy wine for, for the which thou hast labored. They were being robbed and pillaged and, and their things have been taken from it. Verse number nine, but they that have gathered it shall eat it. And what? And praise the Lord. That is, work is a blessing. And when we reap the benefits of our labor, the result should be praise to God. You should be actively praising God in everything you do. And they that have brought it together shall drink it in the courts of my holiness. Notice this praise and righteousness and holiness all connected together with human effort and the reward of labor. Labor is not a curse. Work is a blessing. We are to identify as doers and workers and influencers. God's people are not to be passive. We are to be gathering and, and praising and and bringing, and drinking. Now, don't get carried away with that. <clears throat> In the courts of my holiness, it's righteousness, and God blesses us. Cause and effect leading to this prosperity. And verse 10 brings up our third point. Our third point. Identify intercede, and now number three, inspire. This is what God is asking us to do. Now, verse number 10 has several, several elements in it. I want you to grab a hold of these. Verse number 10, go through. Go through the gates. Prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway. That's talking about removing obstacles, stumbling stones, things that are in people's way, and you've got to uproot it and cast it aside. You've got to get aggressive. Gather out the stones. And the last one here, lift up a standard for the people. I'd like to develop those things very quickly. Go through the gates. Now, I started with You've got to identify the problem. You've got to see things as they are. You've got to see your life. You've got to see yourself as you are. Stop seeing yourself as you want to be, as you wish to be identified. Buying these name brand clothes so that somebody else's identity that took millions of dollars to create is now plastered on you, and now I'm identifying with them. But go through the gates. Now, this is the king coming 
But there's something for God's people to do. There's always something that God wants you to do, even though he's really the main influencer. God's, God's the key. You can't do this without God. But you've got to go through the gates. You've got to do it. What is it that you haven't done that you must do that the blessing of God is contingent upon? If you don't do it, there will be no blessing received. This is talking about do it yourself. It's talking about living out what you believe. Your life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Is it, are you living out what you believe? I believe the main cause of, of depression and, and loathing of yourself, self-hatred, uh, we talked we talked to just a minute and that ago with that missions presentation about suicide rates it's living out something that you don't agree with living out things that you hate and loathe but you actually do it maybe because of habit maybe because of entrapment or or some other thing but living out what you believe go through the gates life does not change Listen to me, please. Life does not change because of information. Life changes because of action. Until you get aggressive and purposely, passionately step forward and do aggressive things, you will be stuck in this rut. You will never get through it. And it's not some new information. It's, it's action. Life is changed by aggressive, aggressive, purposeful, passionate action. And it's persistent. It's not just here and I tried that. No, it's, you've got to keep pushing through. Action. Now, obviously, you need information. I'm not against information. That's what the Bible is. Uh, all of the colleges that are started in America, almost all, all of them, the private colleges, were started by Christians and Christian movements and great men and women that wanted their communities and wanted their little group of people to know the Word of God. So information and education is God's idea. And wherever the Bible goes, it exalts and lifts up the people. As they lift up God, God lifts up them. But don't make the mistake of thinking, I can, I can be better with a degree you'll be the same, especially if you're just sitting there taking notes. By the way, church, we've got to watch out. In this little meeting room, nothing's going to change here by hearing truth. You've got to do something about it. And every action is fathered by decision. Every action is fathered by decision. And you have to decide. The most important part of this service, you could argue, is that last minute when everybody's quiet and you say yes or you say no, or halfway, or in measure. And I want to encourage you, trust God, lean in, and move forward, make a decision, and your life will change. But more important that, than that, it's not this life, it's the next. Go through the gates. Prepare the way. That is, think of others. We are a people that is to be thinking of others. Think of others. That is, prepare the way of the airflow. <laughs> prepare the way of the people. And then there's a specific problem. There's, there's big stumbling stones in the way. Now, I believe... One of our secrets is we've got to make our stumbling stones our stepping stones. What you tripped over, you need to learn to step up on and stop falling and stumbling on the same thing. But for other people, get those stones out of the way. There's somebody that's going to be coming behind you and, and they're going to fall on the same thing you fell on. And so true discipleship is like, you know what, I messed up right, right there. I messed up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast that out of the way. I'm going to move that and prepare the way for somebody else's success, that they might stand on your shoulders, that they could go further, that they could do 
that they could do better. Cast up the highway. Now, this was mentioned just back in chapter 57, just a page or two. Chapter 57 and verse number 14, similar, and shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. Get rid of the things that are causing people to fail and to fall. My wife and I have been working hard at the plan for 2022 and what's going to happen. And we believe that we can't afford a simple, a sloppy, a safe plan. We need an aggressive, bold, disciplined plan to move ahead. I believe our nation depends upon it. And our church needs to grow. Our church needs to grow not for the church. There's no more room for us. <laughs> and people are looking, where, where's it going to go? We need to grow for our nation so that the truth gets out, so that we can make a difference, so that you can make a difference. And there's difference makers that, that want to get in here, and we've got to find them. And there's difference makers that are going the wrong direction that God's going to turn them around. You know, that's what the New Testament is about. God's people were absolutely being terrorized and persecuted by a terrible man whose name was Saul. And I think probably the people of God were praying against Saul and saying, he, God, help us. He's a terrible man. He's awful. Get him out of the way. Kill him. And God said, no, no, no. I'll tell you what. He's going to change sides. He's going to be on your side. I mean, God reveals himself to him, and Saul becomes Paul and wrote 13 of the books of the New Testament. And I mean just maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived, maybe, I don't know. And I mean just a mentor. And there might be somebody, the worst guy ever, or gal, there's a few worst gals too, that God can get turned around and his righteousness can be revealed. Wouldn't you like to see that? then pray about it and identify with God and take steps and measures that you could be the hand, the arm that God wants to use. Amen? Amen. Bold, aggressive. We're going through the gates. Elbow your neighbor and say, you got to go through the gate. You've got to go through the gate. Verse number 11, <clears throat> and we're getting there. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, and there's three things here, thy salvation cometh. You know, the salvation of Israel is the Messiah. That's Jesus Christ the righteous. The Bible says he will come on a white horse and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. Look at the second element. Behold, his reward is with him. That's the church of God. With the white horse, with Jesus the Messiah, the church comes with him. His reward is with him. Have you turned from your sins and trusted in Christ? And then the third element, and his work is before him. Now that could be a sermon in itself, but we're not going to develop that anymore. Look at verse number 12. Verse 12, and this is our last verse of Isaiah 62. And they shall call them. Now, this they is the, the Gentile nations around Israel. They shall call them. That is, the Gentiles will call Israel the holy people. You know what you should be called? You should be called God's people. You should be called a holy people. That's not an insult. You know, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And it was a mock. <laughs> They're following Christ. They're Christians. And God's people said, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Are you a holy person? Can you identify with God's holy people? That's what I want. I don't want to identify because of the color of my skin, the shape of my body. I don't want to identify with the education level I've received. I don't want to identify with the I don't know, the money I have or the, the region I was raised. I want to identify with God, my Savior. I want to be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You know, redeemed means bought back. 
It means God created you. You went your own way, and God lost you. But then God bought you back. And that's talking about the price of Jesus Christ that he paid with his own blood on the cross. And thou shalt be called, and this is right back to verse number two that we started with. Thou shalt be called. How do you identify? Sought out. God's looking. God's wanting to find you. God's looking for you. A city not forsaken. Israel, Zion, Jerusalem is getting a new name. What does this mean? It means Jehovah Sidkenu. It, it means Jehovah Shammah. God is there. God is righteous. It means Hepzibah. It means Beulah. It means sought out. It means not forsaken. It means married. All of this is speaking of Israel, but all of this is very much part of the Christian life. This is just like you and me. And God's revealing, this is what I'm going to do in Israel in the perfect time. And that's why we've got to keep right national relationships with Israel. It's very vital. Those are God's people. But it's also you and me walking today. How do you identify? I identify with God. Do you ever get messed up on that? Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, this week as I go down uh, to the halls of Congress and, and I get out, I'll probably wear a suit and I'll probably shine my shoes and I'll probably comb my hair and probably comb my 12 hairs of my beard. And, and then I'm going to walk down the hall and I'll struggle with holding a Bible because nobody else does that. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm saying I think God wants me to do it. As a matter of fact, there's been many times I had no one to talk to. And I tried and people were busy and doing their thing. And it was a Thursday, it was four o'clock, and I really didn't have my message. I was preaching in the book of James. And so just in the hall, there was nobody around. I, I got my Bible out and I was reading James and I'm like desperately looking for the message that God wants me to preach. And I'm like, how did I get so far behind? Okay, what's going on? And I was getting something. And a member of Congress walked up and said, that's a good book. And I, I didn't have anything to say. I was like, but you know what? That's what God wanted me to do. And I'm identifying with this. And somebody saw that and they went, well, you don't see that every day. Listen, God's looking for somebody to use. Who do you want to use you? God's looking for an influencer. Do you want to influence for righteousness? Do you want to identify as God's people, the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord? Do you want God to be seeking you? Do you want to realize no matter what life throws at you, I am not forsaken? I know God's promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Brad Wells. If you would like to know more, contact us through gracewaydc.com or come visit us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. right here on Capitol Hill. Until next week, this has been Graceway, helping you walk this way. Mm-hmm.